0: We appreciate you all, so this goes to you, and to the team, for all the hard work we put in, day in and day out, <laughs> we about to get it in, baby, let's get it,
1: welcome to our kind of pod. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, and joining me in this episode is, as usual, the incomparable Michael Stanton. There have been no less than 40 notable things that have happened in UW football and men's basketball since Stanton and I last spoke, and we tried to recap and reflect on all of it in this podcast. That includes the Las Vegas Bowl, the firing of Bush Hamden, the hiring of John Donovan, us trying to figure out who the hell John Donovan is, the loss of Quate Green to in academic ineligibility, Peyton Pritchard's breaking of our collective backs over the weekend, and much much more if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe rate and review the show it really helps with our non-sponsors thanks for listening and i'm yeah whatever let's just let's just uh (laughs) okay um let's see here half an hour later we are here (laughs) live for a uh an all-encompassing episode of, of Our Kind of Pod. Um Sin, you are a tremendous co-host. You are a horrible, horrible tutor for Quad A Green.
0: Oh, that was that was on me. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't realize those couple geology lessons that uh I gave him were the issue here. I must have I also failed that. Well, I didn't fail geology. I think I failed psychology. I got a D in that. So, <laughs> at least I wasn't teaching him that. Yeah,
1: that was that was bad. Yeah, rock for Jocks is actually one of my least uh, successful classes at UW. Um, wow. So maybe did you maybe, take
0: it your senior year though?
1: No, uh, sophomore year I think. And the problem okay. was is that I fully expected um, it to be a joke and paid zero attention to it, and then. Um, can't do that. Turns out you need a need a little ground to stand on, and uh, didn't quite have that. But uh, I balled out in some labs, made it out okay, but that was about as close nice. of a of a call as I've had in college. And uh, unfortunately, for our friend Quad, couldn't couldn't quite get that help.
0: Yeah, I I uh, I think my issue is just not I shouldn't have taken those. Generic classes those basic classes my senior year when I was completely checked out and already in a gpa hole So hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully quad a can get out of this hole because we need him next season
1: I like this idea of a gpa hole like just someone who's just an asshole about grade point average <laughs> can call them a gpa <laughs> hole um, Well, they
0: tell you like once you get in a hole. It's hard to get out of out of it from a gpa standpoint Yeah,
1: it's so. true. The the t- the, okay. the denominator keeps getting bigger while your your chances a exactly. greater get smaller um, man, it's good math there. Well, math. anyways, it has been a while since we've been on air. Uh, we last spoke um, in a podcast sense on December sixteenth, two thousand nineteen. Uh, since then, it's been some fun times at, at Graves Hall at UW uh, in the athletic offices. Let me recap for you all the things that have happened since since you and I last spoke. Please, thirty eight to seven, the Huskies win over Boise State in the uh, the Mako Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, lots of pitchers were had at the Gas Lamp in Issaquah. Uh, mm-hmm. good times had by all lots of uh, lots of, of dad action with our friends and, and their folks uh, Jacob Eason mm-hmm. declares for the NFL draft shortly after that Levi on and Elijah Molden announced that they're staying at the University of Washington for their, their senior years uh, Bush Hamden and Jordan Papau uh, are effectively fired UW basketball loses to, to Houston in the Diamond Head Classic final uh, I gift you a sack time hat Shouts out to our friends at uh, wonderful at, at uh, well, I don't even know Cowbucker and in uh, the shout, shutdown forecast uh, for the hat. Udo uh, mm-hmm. basketball loses to UCLA at home uh, then falls it up two days later by beating USC at home by 32 points. USC is now leading the conference. Uh, Savon Ahmed <laughs> declares for the NFL draft. Quate Green is ruled academically ineligible. Udo football hires a guy named John Donovan uh, to repl- replace Bush Hamden. Uh, Mike Leach, who is technically a coach of the Huskies for one game a year, uh, where he is undefeated in that regard. Uh, he leaves for Mississippi State. Udo uh, basketball blows a 12-point lead with 10 minutes left to go to lose to Stanford. Udo uh, basketball loses to Cal on a bank three-point shot in overtime. I interview Mike Yam. Udo beats Oregon State. Uh, and then Peyton Pritchard rips our hearts out twice with 70 feet of combined made three-point distance. Uh, did <laughs> I miss anything?
0: No, but I think the follow-up question to this is why do we even follow sports? Why do we put ourselves through this crap?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I actually wrote that because we were supposed to do this pod last week, and so I had to add extra bullets to that, and uh, it only made it worse (laughs) to go through that. (laughs) I think I've left
0: uh, UW this fall slash winter like three or four times recounting or talking with the friend that I went to the game with, just being like, why do we do this to ourselves? This has been a very tumultuous um, football and basketball season, and I think it just goes to show you that we've been pretty lucky over the previous 12 months in regards to both programs.
1: Yeah, there's a legitimate case for a top 10 gut-wrenching losses uh, podcast to be made uh, just for this this football and basketball season if it, if it keeps keeps going the way it's going. So uh, look forward to that. Um but, uh, wait. Yeah, but as my dad likes to point out every time – Every time I talk to him, um we have actually not recapped the the bowl game. Um so we're gonna do so here for like four minutes uh because it's just it's for so, you, Mark. so long ago, yeah. Uh and uh was honestly not that significant despite the score. Um but let's pretend that, that Jacob Eason and Savon Ahmed weren't in that game, so so no thoughts on them. Um what was your okay. biggest takeaway from from uh that uh mid December showdown with the Broncos?
0: Well, I think it, this is kind of the common theme for most of the season. But Richard Newton is a wonderful, wonderful running back to watch, and he brings something to the table we haven't had um, for a few years. And that's a bruiser out of the backfield that's running downhill. Did and we, by the way, will
1: did we yeah? ever use the the term uh, "fig fig dick" energy talking about Richard Newton? <laughs> no,
0: we no. didn't. How? But that's outstanding. We talked about and it every week for, two like separate.
1: for three months and never said that. That's... We
0: use we use Dick Newton and Fig Newton, but never Fig Dick energy. Fig I Dick like energy.
1: That. Wow. That's going on a shirt next year. Uh, continue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so Newton had 70 rushing yards, 15 attempts, touchdown. He also had a 13-yard touchdown pass to Terrell Bynum in the fourth quarter. So a bit of a jack-of-all-trade here. Um, I think he's got to go down as the breakout player of the season for us uh, 10 games 10 rushing touchdowns 500 rushing yards He had a receiving touchdown in there. And then obviously the passing touchdown. I mentioned Um, uh, This is on 117 carries 4.3 yards per average. So I mean His average wasn't you know crazy But his touchdown conversion rate is was really nice and he like I said he brings a different Type of back to the table that we haven't had, um, and that'll play into what um, Jimmy Lake's trying to do next season on the offensive side of the ball, which is be much more aggressive and uh, run between the tackles, etc. So, I, I that was probably my biggest takeaway, and I'm admittedly only saying that because i'm looking at the box score and that's the first thing that pops out to me because i honestly can't remember very much from this game because we were pretty much just talking and drinking um disappointing you know light beer the whole game instead so
1: yeah i mean it uh it was it was just a weird game and how how uh, simple of a blowout it was against a team that that uh, for all intents and purposes matched up pretty well uh, with the Huskies or should have. And it didn't really feel like mm-hmm. a 38-7 game in any way, like we weren't dominant in any phase of the ball, uh, but uh, it just kind of came out that way. Uh, yeah, Richard Newton had to have enjoyed Jimmy Lake's comments uh, over this week, talking to, to Softy and Dick Fane of KGR, um, talking to them about how this, this offense next year is going to be much more uh, downhill in every regard. Not a lot of, not as much uh, bubble screen and side to side action, but more um, straight down the middle and attacking downfield. So obviously that, uh, that favors well for, for Richard Newton's case as a, as a feature back going forward. Um, and yeah, I think for the, the looking back in the season, the offense just worked better when he was involved. I think they were much better at moving mm-hmm. the chains in, in third and short situations. Um, and just getting consistent yards. Um, although Simon Ahmed had had you know great moments this season, the 80-yard touchdown against USC um, allowed them for some big plays in the passing game and, and the short yardage, uh, you know, kind of sweep game. Uh, but Newton, like you said, is just a different type of guy. My big takeaway, I think, was that Elijah Molden is everywhere. Um, he, yep. I, ju- I just watched Endgame uh, with with uh, you know Thanos and and, and crew and. Danos's uh-huh. line of "of I am inevitable" seems kind of uh, perfect for for Elijah Molden. He's just he was in every single play I just watched of the of the highlight the the Matthew loves ball uh, recap of the bowl game. Elijah Molden is in there. Uh, the screen interception he had was great. Um, just whether it's a play in the middle of the field on the edges, uh, Molden is just involved um, at a very playing at a very high level. So um, I think he will be. Probably the the Joe Lobandon jersey guy next year. If you oh. catch my drift, um, That will be selling a lot of number three jerseys. Um, of course, you know Elijah mm-hmm. will not profit off of any of them because that would be uh, immoral. Preposterous. Uh, yeah, but uh, but his jersey will probably be the uh, the um, the feature one, unless there's some crazy transfer quarterback that uh, that does not currently attend University of Washington uh, that would change that. Any other uh, <laughs> big takeaways from the bowl game?
0: No, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, Molden has ki- kind of is now the Miles Bryant on the team yep. moving into next year, whereas Miles Bryant was kind of the Taylor Rapp uh, type this season, like kind of did it all, would come up in the box and, uh, to you know, stop the run, but also could play, you know, high safety coverage. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be probably, I mean, he's. Most likely going to be the best player on the defense the side of the ball next season. Um, huge to get him back. Not that I was expecting him to leave, but um, just to get that reassurance that he will be back was always nice to hear.
1: One last thing on the football side, and this is more of a reaction to um, the national championship uh, in where two really good football teams played and two really good quarterbacks played. Um, I mm-hmm. never want to root for a quarterback, whether it's the, the Huskies or, or the Seahawks or any team that I find myself affiliated with. I never want to root for a quarterback that can't move ever again. I realized that mm-hmm. having Jacob Eason back there, um, you know, had access, you know, your access to throws down the field and throws over the middle uh, is extended because of his arm. Um, if you can't just get like the six or seven yards that are literally being gifted to you by the, by the, the yeah. nature of the defense playing coverage, the, the way they are, um, mm-hmm. you're going to have more struggles moving the ball down the field. And both Burrow and Lawrence are both very, very good at. As soon as they see linebackers with their backs turned to them, you know they they hit the ground running um, and can pick up big gains that way. It's like the Trace McSorley theory, you know, like just not a, not an hmm. insane athlete, but just good enough to get you seven or eight um, on a on a second and nine. I think it's just it the way college football goes. You just need a guy like that. I um.
0: I could be mistaken here, but I want to say, and I could actually be thinking of Colson Yankoff, but I wonder if Dylan Morris has any uh, mobility coming out of Grand Kapowson.
1: Yeah, that's he's one of
0: the uh, one of the options this coming season at QB.
1: Yeah, and, and we'll get into the the quarterback discussion I think a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, looking at the inventory, Dylan Morris, and then if uh, if Chase Garbers, the incoming or Ethan Garbers, I'm sorry, uh, the incoming freshman mm-hmm. can scoot at the same level that his brother from Cal can. Um, you know, Chase was was uh, quite successful at just getting those chunk plays against UW to move the chains. Um, if his yep. brother comes from that same cloth, then obviously that makes him interesting. Um, and I think you know, just just the, the days of needing a statue back there. Uh you know, you're just you're just bypassing free yards uh in that regard. Yeah. Well, the uh the guy who'll be in charge of that, um, of the the offense, uh maybe not the actual decision of who, who quarterbacks the team, but at least the, the plays that are called is uh a man by the name of John Donovan, um who yes. um, when he was hired um to be the new offensive coordinator at UW, there was a probably a collective what and then, uh, about 10, ten minutes of research, <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, another what because the uh, the old resume isn't very impressive on uh, on John Don or Donnie or uh, uh, whatever we want to Ray Donovan, whatever we want to call him. Um, we got yeah, stint as offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt, followed by another one at Penn State, and uh, he was now the we just plucked him from being the assistant, not even the main assistant uh running backs coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not uh the wow candidate I think we all we're all expecting.
0: Yeah, this one um yeah, this one kind of surprised me. I didn't obviously didn't know anything about this guy. Um, you spoke about his stance at At uh, Vanderbilt and Penn State being their offensive coordinator he basically followed James Franklin around so Franklin left Maryland and went to Vanderbilt and um, Donovan followed him from Maryland to Vanderbilt Um, this is when um, Franklin became head coach at Vanderbilt after being the OC at Maryland Um, there Donovan was on a You know, he was a pretty successful offensive coordinator for them. The Commodores haven't really done a whole lot in their history, but he was able to set multiple offensive school records uh, while there. Granted, that was only, I think, three seasons. Uh, He then followed James Franklin to Penn State, and this is where things kind of went off the rails. Uh, 2014, the offense averaged 353 yards per game, which was good for 114th out of 128 FBS schools. Um, They also only averaged 20.6 points per game, which was 113th in the country. Uh, And then the following season, they were 105th in yards per game and 100th in points per game. Um, So obviously not very inspiring numbers there. Um, I will mention, though, that Jimmy Lake, he said that, you know, this name just kept coming up when they were talking to guys um, in the NFL about potential candidates for this open OC job at UW. And he said the X's and O's portion of the John Donovan interview was just awesome. And um, Jimmy Lake did stress stress in his opening uh, press conference when he became head coach that he really wanted to get down into the X's and O's of the game. And so at the very least, this will in theory align with his philosophy in that regard. But um, again, it's hard to look past some of these um, struggling offenses that Donovan has managed over the um, past past few years that he's been in the FBS ranks. So um, we'll see what happens. It's it's unfair to write him off now, but um, yeah, not not as exciting as you'd hope.
1: Yeah, the uh, the come down on this one, given that you know your options are are kind of known quantities that have some cachet in the Northwest with Kellen Moore um, was was allegedly uh, or not allegedly. That sounds bad. Uh, reportedly, deciding between staying with the Dallas Cowboys uh, for his second year as the offensive coordinator there or taking the job at UW, uh, he opted to stay with the new coaching staff in Dallas. Um, and then uh, Mark Helfrich, who was, uh, of course, the offensive coordinator, then head coach of, of some very good Oregon teams. Um, and that's those are two names that obviously have have um, some some stakehold in Northwest. And that's another part about John Donovan that you know obviously the the statistics you talked about that the performances. Um, at the various stops he's had along the way, not great. Um, but then just the fact that he's a dude from New Jersey, he played college football at at John Hopkins or Johns Hopkins, um, and then has spent time at Maryland, Vanderbilt, Penn State, and now Jacksonville. So not a guy that's spent uh, any considerable time in his coaching career. Um, within you know t- a thousand miles of of the Pacific Northwest is now tasked with mm-hmm. recruiting. Uh, both in Seattle and then a- along, you know, California, and um, if he does have any pipeline um, to the Northeast or to anywhere that he's been, uh, getting those guys to come out to Seattle is just not uh, not really feasible. Um, although no. Mike Hopkins might beg to differ, but um, yeah, it's 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 a weird one, and and just just in how how uh, Donovan was kind of ousted from from Penn State in almost much the same way. Uh, that Bush Hamden was from from Seattle. Just just public opinion had reached a certain point that um, that the offensive struggles were completely on him, and it seemed like he just had to go. Um, an interesting quote here from from uh, Pittsburgh coach Pat Narduzzi. Who said? Uh, it was, this was allegedly like a big subtweet about about Donovan. He said you could have a talented quarterback with a bad play caller and make him look bad. You see that all around the country, some closer than others. Which is apparently um, John Donovan and mm. and the quarterback there is Christian Hackenberg. And I think Hackenberg yeah. is is kind of the the, uh, the the interesting case here. It seems like a lot of the of the blame put on Donovan um, was out of this. As as it's come out that you know Christian Hackenberg sucked, um, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of this this belief along the whole time that um, that Hackenberg had this ability to be great, and it was Donovan that was holding him back. And I think you sounds know sounds very familiar, right? Right. The, the the dust has settled here, and we've all seen that that Christian Hackenberg um, was not the prince that was promised uh, as it, it, it seemed to be there um, with Penn State. Um, there's some other stuff. I mean, the, the scholarships were reduced down to 60, uh, 15 a year while he was at Penn state for, um, Mm -hmm. obviously we all know why. Um, but you know, even with limited scholarships, John Donovan was able to recruit, uh, guys like Deshaun Hamilton, Mike Gasicki, Saquon Barkley, uh, and Chris Godwin, who, you know, if you play fantasy football, all four of those guys register, um, as you know, immense talents on the offensive skill side. Um, Mm -hmm the there was there was this kind of funny there's this like report that um it's on Donovan's wikipedia page that he did a really nice thing when the jaguars went 6 for 6 in red zone opportunities one yeah. game <laughs> did you see that
0: afc afc championship in 2017 right yeah
1: yeah um, or like, during during a game that season at the very least yeah yeah it was like the the houston game in that season Um, but yeah, I mean, you touched on what, what Jimmy Lake tried to sell in this, that, uh, you know, the NFL contacts had, had, uh, had highlighted John Donovan as a guy with, with potential. Um, and Jimmy Lake kind of found, I think some, some, um, commonalities in his own story and that Jimmy Lake's time as a, as an assistant in the NFL made him a better coach, um, which is what he's kind of tying and banking on here with John Donovan. A uh, guy who struggled in college towards the end of it, going to the NFL, getting better as a result. Um, and then, you know, it, it kind of fit from an alignment perspective. Um, and I think you're right that, that you know, we can't, we can't write him off, but uh, I think the recruiting part of it and the stakeholder in the Northwest is probably the one thing um, that would leave me scratching my head the, the most here because I can't pretend to know X's and O's wise why Donovan would be, would or wouldn't be a good candidate, but Um, I do know that there's some realities of being a guy from New Jersey Mm -hmm. um, trying to make headway in in uh, Southern California.
0: You know, I could be totally off base here, but the that the the sense I got when Hamden was the office offensive coordinator was he didn't factor much into recruiting either. Um, So I don't know if. There's as much of a drop-off here in the recruiting category as we think there would be just based on lack of um, Familiarity with the region. I know Hamden, you know, I th- I'm pr- pretty sure he has roots in the Northwest, right? I'm not just making that up. Yeah, well, he played at Boise State so that would help. Yeah, there there you go So but at the same time again, I don't know how integral he actually was mm-hmm. in the recruiting process. So um, again, I could be totally off base, but I just don't remember hearing a lot about Hamden um, making, you know, having that a major poll in that department. So um, maybe it isn't as big of a deal as we're, we're saying it is right now, but obviously would be very useful and helpful if he was able to um, be a big player in the recruiting game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, only time will tell with with Donovan, but certainly... Um, not a a sexy hire by any means, and, and one that we'll have to uh, to to pay our attention to or pay attention to mm-hmm. if, of how qualitatively this offense looks. Um, I do yep. wonder though if uh, if Donovan has a, uh, a a sort of pact with with bald coaches. Um, he's only coached uh, with head coach uh, James Franklin, who is of course very bald, uh, and Jimmy Lake, yep. who is uh, also very bald. So um, might be just a thing that he's got that he trusts bald guys. Uh, as Donovan is also. Uh, mostly hairless as well any any smoke to that i will
0: also i will also add ralph region the maryland coach is bald or at least he's got a cul-de-sac working and um who's the coach of the jaguars is it still gus bradley or this Uh, is you know i don't really follow the nfl very closely (laughs) gus bradley
1: got canned a while ago doug marone is not bald ah Um, the former syracuse guy yeah
0: man that's too bad so that that breaks up the uh, whole bald theory but for the the vast majority of his time, uh, that was true. So yeah, maybe maybe there's something that we're uncovering here. Yeah, I don't know what it means, but it's noting. <laughs> Breaking news um, that uh, this is Donovan, the value add. Donovan about.
1: does not like follicles, um, is is what we can tell you here. Uh, and, uh, let's give a reason to be excited about next season. I think for me, it's just general newness. Like even even this last year, heading into into it was exciting because. Jacob Beeson was new. There was some new quality to the offense um, by virtue of having a different quarterback. Obviously that didn't really end up being that good of a thing, Um, but I'm excited about the newness. Uh, How about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, we kind of touched on it already and I agree just kind of a fresh start is exciting in its own right. But um, what, what I was saying we touched on it earlier is just bringing Jimmy Lake bringing that more aggressive play style to the offensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, that's been something we've gotten used to on the defensive side of the ball, but he's been very um, forward about the fact that he wants to do that um, on the other side of the ball. And um, he's been quoted saying we want to run right at people. None of this north-south stuff, but, you know, running in between the tackle or sorry, none of this east-west stuff, but more of a north-south approach. Um, which will be great to see. And, you know, I don't have to hear my dad complain about bubble screens and going east-west like he's done for the past, you know, 10 years, it seems like. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's exciting. Um, also, most likely we won't be losing our starting quarterback after the season unless there's some weird grad transfer that we get in, which is unlikely. Um, so that just not having to change quarterbacks uh, after the season would be nice unless the um Sam Heward comes in and just is God but um yeah, so those are those are some nice things to look forward to i guess
1: yeah i um I, I think this this last football season um hurt we we talked about the devastation of this this last calendar year uh this last football season hurt pretty good, lots of gut punches, so uh, I can't imagine uh having higher expectations heading into the season that would make anything worse than last year. Um, so that'll be nice. And then the schedule that just came out um, is, is, is favorable. Um, don't have to go back to back road games. Um, don't have to play yep. anyone off of a buy. Uh, we have a buy before we play Oregon. Um, there's yep. some nice parts there. Uh, and then also the idea of a spring game, I think is, is something that Jimmy yeah. just talked about with, uh, with the KGR guys. Um, that he wants to bring that back and have a legitimate spring game um, whether or not that actually helps anything um, it's a it's a first sign for lake to to kind of drum up some energy with the program and um, you mm-hmm. know put his stamp on on things from almost from a marketing perspective so uh, curious to see how that that ends up looking
0: yeah I mean i I actually might go to the spring game this year instead of just going to the glorified practice that was of past years so, yeah yeah um, that can hurt.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was kind of a joke. Um, One question about next year It's I'm I'm probably dead on here that, that uh, it's gotta be the quarterback situation, right? Like that, that, that is uh, uh, you know, the first, the first thing that needs to be taken care of. And I, and I knew, I know you said um, that it might be unlikely for uh, the the Huskies to acquire a grad transfer, but it definitely did not seem Mm -hmm. like, uh lake was willing to rule that out um and almost seemed like they're almost shopping for someone like that to bring into the quarterback room because as of right now i mean i don't think they want a, a quarterback room with only three guys in it um the problem is is that bringing in anyone else from a grad transfer perspective uh runs the risk of of uh scaring off another person in that room uh as it did last year where jacob Eason's enrollment at UW really cost you two other quarterbacks in Colson Yankoff and and Jacob Hayner.
0: Yeah. And Colson Yankoff, if we still had him, he could very well be in the driver's seat for this job. I mean, Hayner probably too, but uh, both of those guys would probably be at the top of the list. Um, And you got to also remember that Jacob Sermon entered the transfer portal as well. Now he obviously removed himself, but you know, that's something he's capable of, or obviously could (laughs) still be on the fence about. Um, I've always heard regarding grad transfers and the semester system at UW, or quarter system, I should say, um, that there's some complications in that regard. Um, Now the specifics surrounding that, I'm not sure, so I'm not gonna try and uh, dive into that. But um, I guess when I said unlikely, it was more so coming from just the mechanics of getting a transfer in, um, rather than us wanting to bring one in. Um, so yep. I could be wrong on that though. Um, that said the, if we disregard the idea of a grad transfer, you're looking at pretty much three options. You have Dylan Morris. He's a red shirt, freshman out of Grant Kapowson. He was a four star in the 2019 class, 171st overall nationally. Um, you have Jacob Sermon also was a four star. He's a sophomore um, out of Bothell. He's, his career numbers are two for three for 19 yards. So, you know, really comes in with, with a wealth of experience. Mm. And then, uh, we have Ethan Garbers who we mentioned previously, four star quarterback out of Corona Del Mar in California, um, uh, rated 177th nationally in the 2019 class. And, um, or 2020 class, I should say, and then, like you mentioned, he's also the younger brother of Cal starting quarterback Chase Garbers, who could be the best quarterback in the conference this season, unless I'm forgetting someone. Um, this upcoming season. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of up there. My money would be on Morris right now, but uh, I could also see Sermon. Uh, I think it's one of those two. I really doubt Garbers comes in and starts as a true freshman. Uh, you got to remember that that um. Jake Browning is was the only has been the only player to start uh, as a true freshman in the opening game of that season. So, um, yeah, unlikely that it would be Garbers, but a lot of time a lot of time to f- see how this shakes out.
1: I'd probably say Keaton Slovis, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the ASU kid, uh, are probably your three. But then that that got me thinking. I was like, wow, is Garbers really the guy? He's definitely up there. I don't
0: I don't think DTR is better than. Garbers. But I'll give you Slovis and I'll give you uh what's his name? Jaden uh the Daniels? ASU. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think DTR is just too it's too consistent. erratic. Yeah. I, I he's just he's in the Tyler Huntley school to me. Just see you see him do some awesome things every once in a while and you're like you carry that with you forever. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, nothing really more to add on the the quarterback situation. Um you know, all the, the the specs are there. Um nobody knows anything about these guys. So there's no um you know, like last year if if uh Jay Kaner were to end up have you know, have have won that quarterback job over Easton, people would have lost their minds because we've seen Easton <laughs> do it at at Georgia. We haven't seen any yeah. of these guys do it anywhere. So uh, yeah. there's really no no allegiance other than you know that Jacob Sermon um, is, uh, I don't know if this is fair to say, but fragile in the sense of, of um, his his uh, proclivity to, to explore transfer options, that you might lean that way. But I don't think you can make a decision based off of whether a guy is going to go into the transfer portal. It's kind of important just to pick the best guy yeah. in this situation. Definitely. Uh, but Definitely. we'll see. True. At least yeah. it, they might even do the, the Max Brown, where you kind of give him, give him the start to start the season given that next season is, um, I wouldn't say inconsequential, but, um, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're trying to figure everything out. So we'll see how, how the politics play out, but this is Jimmy Lake's chance to, to start fresh regardless. So, um, he might just opt to go freshman. Uh, I'm sure nothing will go wrong. No, how could it? Um, (laughs) how could it? Uh, Let's flip to the basketball side of things where um, right. there is more news, but more heartbreak or more recent heartbreak, at least. Um, let's just start by talking about the um, just hellscape that was Saturday's game against Oregon. Were you there? I was unfortunately
0: there. It, oh. uh, I now know what it feels like to bleed out to death because <laughs> for about the final 15 minutes of that game, I'm talking game time, not actual time, we basically did that. So uh, yeah, it was awful.
1: Hey, well, you did see in those final 15 minutes of of uh, of, ba- of basketball, both in overtime and, and in, um, in regulation, you saw a total of four made baskets by the Huskies. So that must have been fun.
0: <laughs> yeah that was we're talking I think at the ten thirty something mark we were up by 16 and then uh I think Oregon closed on a 24 to 8 run and then obviously we were outscored in the overtime period 8 to 5 so um yeah that was that was pretty terrible to witness and Peyton Pritchard is something else he's gonna be um if not first team all-american he's in the second team discussion for sure in my opinion
1: yeah he's he's great i mean as as much as you want to just disparage the guy and and i let out some some choice um four-letter words for him uh during the game as Mm -hmm. as just a reflex kid is really really good um i i wish he didn't say this is my (laughs) this is my city talking about seattle because you know it's not but um uh, he yeah. he was incredible even i mean early in that game he was hitting that distance shot um so it really wasn't surprising when he hit either of those those deep shots um given that he had started the game doing exactly that um how was it at least from a positive perspective how was it inside uh the the trip or uh, Alaskan airlines arena as, as they call it?
0: It, it was actually pretty good. Um, it was a sellout, although there were definitely open some open seats around. So, um, you know, one of those classic uh sellouts, but not really. But yeah. still it was it was pretty packed in there. There there were some organ fans, but it wasn't as bad as, you know, Gonzaga fans because I, I'm assuming proximity, although they're kind of about the same distance in some respects. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was good atmosphere. I mean, from the neutral standpoint, incredibly entertaining game, um, because of all the swings. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely exciting to be in the house for that one.
1: There were some troubling parts of of the game, obviously from a officiating perspective, but that's almost fate complete. Anytime you watch Pac-12 yeah. basketball. The miscontinuation call, uh, which has happened to Isaiah Stewart, uh, happened to him twice in the uh, in the Gonzaga game. Uh, Another time against Oregon, where he has a clear and one, and they take it back and say that it wasn't um, wasn't, and it wasn't even in the bonus situation, so it didn't even lead to foul shots, uh, which is just horrible. Uh, Obviously, the mistravel on Pitch Pritchard was uh, absurd, just for how exposed that was. Um, like yeah. there was no one around him. It was just zooming in on his foot. Uh, and then mm-hmm. m- the missed foul on Isaiah Stewart's, uh, dunk attempt, um, where his, his forearm was clearly grabbed by the Oregon defender. Uh, just stuff like that when, you know, you're so close to winning a game like that and you just need one more bucket and stuff like that happens just will, will, uh, will will turn some Harris gray.
0: Yeah, this, I mean. We're, we're, this is nothing new. It's just incredible to me that this can keep going on and there seemingly is no, uh, no changes being made. Um, yep. But then again, you're dealing with the most, you know, screwed up, you know, conference, power conference there is out there. Just they can't do anything right. Hey, so they can't, um, we they shouldn't be hire, surprised at this point.
1: They can't hire Mike Yim, uh, a pro's pro if there ever was one. Um, but, it's true, uh, but everything else, uh, yeah, is uh, certainly. But that's a different side of the. That's a different side of the uh, the business.
0: Absolutely, it's,
1: that's that's yeah. Yeah, it's so. it, you know when when your your officiate or your referees are getting openly mocked before, during, and after uh, the national championship game when people find out that they are the ones responsible for uh, for for that game, uh, and then you go out and do that. It's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous, um, but uh, that's beside the point. The Huskies weren't probably good enough to win that game. Um, mm-hmm. the, the skill level on this team is really, really low um, outside of, of, I don't even know, outside of anybody. I mean, even Marcus Sojones, who had a great game um, as a freshman, um, is not quite there yet as a shooter. Uh, you know, hmm. Jamal Bay, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Carter, their decision-making, I thought, was really poor in the second half, especially yep. um, just unable to to break press. Free throw shooting, 164th in the country, three-point percentage, 265th in the country. Just offensive basketball uh, is not, uh, not the specialty of, of this year's team and, and really of any Hopkins team, which is something what we might talk about a little bit later. Yeah, I
0: mean, defensively were amazing. I mean, it's it's really fun to watch on defense and what's even more amazing specifically is um I'm pretty sure Isaiah Stewart at least near the end of the game, how many points? Oh yeah, he only had one personal foul the yeah. whole game. That's in 45 minutes and he also had five blocks and 19 boards. So he's obviously in there amongst the trees banging around, so easily could have gotten more than just one foul um, but I mean it it starts with Stewart on the defense side of the ball but it doesn't end with them I think overall this team is just really good and that obviously the zone helps them but where we are really good on defense we are really poor on offense and it has been magnified even more so with the loss of Quade Green who is your best shooter. Um, at least from out of the guards, 51% from the field. He was your best three-point shooter at 45%, and he was a, your best free-throw shooter at 84%. And there's just seemingly has been a complete lack of direction on the off- offensive side of the ball since uh, we've lost Quade to this um, academics issue. Uh, Quade was averaging 5.3 assists per game which is basically or, or almost exactly double the next best on the team. So the question is, who creates now? Um, Sahonis, albeit has been better than we probably would have anticipated, he still has only logged a total of five assists over his first two games. So he's just merely doing half of what Quade's done. Yeah, um, And he also had a few, you know, um, just bad timing in the turnover category. Um, so we're really, we're really struggling without quad a, and I think you can even see it. Um, it's obvious in our possession length um, be earlier a few weeks ago. I think we were in the top top 20 for average possession length, meaning we were um, quicker on the offensive side of the ball than the vast majority of teams. Um, and that we have, Dropped off we're now 39th uh, on the season and I think that's apparent because when you watch back the last couple games We run down that shot clock to under 10 or 8 Almost every possession and it's a lot of passing around the perimeter and then forcing up a shot That's rushed and probably not the best shot we could take um, Whereas yeah. at least with quad a there was some direction and uh, we were a little bit more seemingly we knew what we were doing on offense
1: Yep. So, yeah, yeah and that's this, been, that's been our, a huge loss. As our buddy Zach Peggins points out, it seems that in every uh, end of shot clock situation, the guy who has the ball to hoist it up is, uh, is your boy, Hamir Wright. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, I, and, and part of the problem is, is you know, we, we talked about his role on offense, that he just finds himself um, as, a, as a perimeter player instead of, of, you know, down low where his, his size might be better used um, that's its own thing. I think, obviously, we'll, we'll chat a little bit more on Quade here in a second, but um, in the absence of Quade Green, like it's not like an injury thing where he might come back. It's, it, no, the reality is Quade Green is not coming back, and you almost have to prepare that he will never come back um, because if, if you don't get it together, you won't make the tournament, and there's no chance of him, him um, playing again for the Huskies this season. Uh, mm-hmm. you you got to simplify things, and to me, it's, it's where did Nas Carter go? After after yeah. he hit that 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 uh, and one in the the start of the or uh, you know start sixteen minutes left in the second half, uh, I don't think he had a shot attempt um, for a while there, and it just it, it it's it's alarm It's weird because he's the one guy um, on that team who can generate offense by himself, um, can get to the rim, um, you know is probably your best shooter left, even if he's not a great form shooter, and he just was absent and he misses misses a, a free throw. Uh, late that obviously could have been the one that, that um, helped them avoid overtime and it's just I think you just have to do more in the way of um, you know if, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna get great offense, it might as well be from your best players that you're getting shots and they just they haven't figured it out yet. They haven't figured out a way to simplify this thing. Um, and, and, and even, actually you know Isaiah Stewart after the game said that basically the, the huskies in the first half were just running the same two plays and they were working. And which is alarming in its own right that they were only running two plays. Yep. Uh, but then that they they were running the same plays in the second half and they couldn't execute them. Um, so just just a lack of ability to execute just two plays is so 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 bad um, when you're remarking on on this team as uh, as an offensive entity.
0: Yeah, and to add to the NAS comment I think he was out from like the eight minute mark to like the two minute mark yeah. or something crazy like that so down the stretch he wasn't even on the court and that wasn't like trouble. he was in foul trouble yep. at all so I don't really know what that was there um I didn't think he was having a terrible game um let's see he was two for six so obviously not great but I mean it's not something to bench a guy for I guess yeah. um honest honestly I th- I think you know i hate singling out players here but i honestly think J.N. mcdaniel's has been just he's he's really brought this team down uh just by his inability to create i mean he was 1 for 9 from the field on saturday 0 for 5 from three point land Two really, uh, he only scored really five bad th- misses down the stretch from 3 Yep, yep. He had a couple key turnovers down the stretch as well. Um, we need to point out too, he he played thirty-eight of the forty-five minutes. He had a one and he had an and one at the fourteen fifty-five mark of the first half, where he's where he so he got three points there. He didn't score again until he had two free throw attempts with one eleven left in the second half. So he went thirty-three minutes and six seconds without scoring, which is just absurd for a guy who's on the court for, you know, ninety-five percent of the game. And, by the way, he's supposed to be a lottery pick and be like the focal point of your offense mm-hmm. uh, this season outside of Stewart. Um, he's shooting only 32% from the field so far in conference conference play, which is one of the worst by any of the guards that we have out there. So, um, yeah, he's been really disappointing since we've gotten into conference play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a weird deal right now. Um, they I thought that they, they kind of unlocked something, um, early in the, that first half against USC where they were playing, um, without, uh, Isaiah Stewart because of foul trouble that they kind of found their, found their groove there. Um, and obviously then the Quantic green news happens and they just haven't been able to figure this out. Um, and you know, obviously the quantity green thing should have never happened we could just talk about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you're just running out of time to get this experimentation over with, uh, if not already out of time. Uh, Quada Green, simple question here for you: uh, Is this a more devastating the Quada Green news? Is this more devastating to that prospective season, so the rest of this season, than the Chris Peterson news is to the outcome of the next football season?
0: Yeah, I think so. I yeah. mean, you're losing probably your best guard um and then peterson at least you're not losing any players and you're retaining basically the whole staff outside of Hamden and pow pow so um yeah i think it's i think it's clearly
1: a bigger loss if we're
0: only isolating these two you know this season and the next football
1: season yeah 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 and and it should have never happened um anyone who is is has been a a college athlete which is not uh, the the voices that you'll hear on this podcast but no um, we'll tell you just that how many eyes are on someone um, to make sure that this never happens this is the first time a, a UW basketball player has been academically ineligible in 16 years and I just ref- refu- refuse to believe or 17 years actually uh, refuse to believe that um a greens academic situation was the worst one or most uh, dangerous one or most in danger of, of being ruled an eligible one of that, that time period. Um, Quadé mm-hmm. needed a 1-9 over six credits uh, minimum uh, towards his major this year uh, to, to maintain eligibility. That's, that's just, it, it's a low bar. Um, and obviously, you know, this is this is not some remark on, you know, Quadé Green's academic ability. This is a, a testament that you don't hear about this. Like Google academically ineligible basketball And Quadi Green is the only major, major guy, really this entire season, who's been ruled academically ineligible across every division one program. Um, Like every other team has this figured out. UW has had this figured out for a long time um, that when guys are in trouble, you get them the help they need. And you make sure that that all their stuff is getting done and that, you know, you're working with professors to make sure that um, that you not within 50 miles of this type of thing happening so this mm-hmm. this this is is not a you know obviously Quadigreen is is somewhat responsible for this, but um the the program has got to be better at having this sort sort of thing it, this should never happen because it never happens at other programs across the country
0: yeah i I didn't realize it was um i mean now that you mention it, I can't ever remember um do you know who that person seventeen years ago was yeah, I was just reading chance?
1: it um it was it was um Obviously, in the the early Romar era, um, but not not a player I had ever heard of. And then he transferred shortly after that. So, um, yeah, it was a. Okay. Seems like kind of a a one off situation there.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. I didn't realize that. But yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I mean, the. There needs to be some blame put on Quade, obviously, because he's the one at the end of the day that's doing this. But you make a valid point. They have so many resources um, and so many eyes, like you mentioned, that are watching this type of thing. Uh, it just never should have gotten to this. It's, it's just a shame um, from multiple perspectives.
1: Yeah, especially when, when the guy clears to come play um, at UW. So, you know, once, once yeah. he, it, it's not like he was was, you know, at one point, not good enough, and and was never good enough. Um, he was good enough, and then it it dropped off after that. So so from from the outset um, of his expectations for th- what this should have looked like, all the way through, you know, when that that how midterms go, all the way through, the fact that this happened is is kind of embarrassing um, for for UW athletics. From my perspective, you know, I
0: I wonder uh, I wonder how this would have gone down if he were still at Kentucky, like if his Academic performance was identical at Kentucky. I wonder if he somehow would have stayed eligible there versus at UW Yeah, no, I'm just obviously speculating here, but I could easily see a program like Kentucky Sorting this out and making sure this doesn't happen or you know doing something somewhat shady Perhaps in order to avoid this just because you know, it's Kentucky but yeah, what I have no basis that I'm going off of. Yeah, and I, I don't think other Kentucky- than Calipari's a little <laughs> finicky. Yeah, I don't. Yard. I
1: don't think Kentucky's in a, a completely league of their own in, in that type of, of management. I think that that's just kind of you know how, how business should be done um, yeah. at this level of college basketball. Anyways, the the quad a green ineligibility has exposed some some bad problems here for the Huskies uh, in the four games since since his ineligibility uh, broke. Uh, The team's average eight and a half assists per game, 14 turnovers per game, 33% shooting from three, 64% shooting from free throws. Uh, That includes 27 free throw misses in the three losses uh, over that time decided by a total of 11 points. So uh, you Uh, left 27 points on the board uh, in games where you lost by a total of 11 and that's Stanford, Cal and and Oregon, obviously. Um, So that's, that's tough. I, I do think that this has uncovered um, some a couple things that uh, Marcus Suhonis is a keeper. Um, he had a great game against against Oregon in that first half. Needed a little bit more from him in the mm-hmm. second half, but for a guy that was supposed to redshirt, I think that you can kind of give him a pass on that one um, and blame you know five star prospects who should perform a little bit better. Um, and then mm-hmm. just this team, I think, has a really low uh basketball IQ outside of Quad A. And we were really, really relying on him to do a lot of the heavy lifting from a playmaking perspective. And that being out of it, I mean you end up Stanford five assists, 21 turnovers. Um just mm-hmm. just games where you are running an incompetent offense um because the guy who's supposed to handle it. Granted that's the first game without Quad A, so it's going to be the worst one. Um but uh there's no shooting, difficulty breaking a press can't shoot on the you know can't hit foul shots uh, down the stretch against Oregon. Uh, just just put quad A I think in any of those games Stanford Cal uh, or Oregon and the Huskies are probably winning all three of them.
0: Yeah, I will I will mention um, as kind of like to save to save ourselves a little bit. Of, um, this is a really young team. I mean their experience is three hundred thirty fourth of the three hundred fifty three teams. Um, but then again, you know, turnovers at to an extent, you've been playing the game for so long, you gotta be better than this. Yeah. Um and there were some key ones down the stretch there in some key miss free throws that Sahonas missed. I think he went, you know, oh for four down the stretch at least um where Quate would have probably drained at least three of those. So or um, one that of that was them, pretty and then tough to good to go yeah yeah exactly so yeah uh so us for 4 from the line so that was brutal especially given the time all four of those happened near the
1: end of the game mm-hmm. so yeah um the way out of this is is pretty obvious you know win games um but um, yep. which games i think the, the huskies win is is going to be important um UW has or ken palm has u-dub favored in seven of their next 12 games um I don't think that's going to get it done. You might have to probably win eight or nine. I think of the next twelve, you get four shots at Arizona and Colorado combined. Uh, you get a USC shot uh, one more time. You get Stanford one more time, um, and then just some road games with with Utah um, and and Wazoo um, that, that you can make up some ground. I think. Um, I think you got to get two against Arizona and Colorado in those four games. Got to beat USC uh, or Stanford, uh, maybe both. And then just mm-hmm. just avoid the bad loss, um, no no bad home losses, and obviously get a couple of games in the Pac-12 tournament done. Um, but yeah. my confidence in that happening is uh, not high. Yeah, you're gonna have to you know
0: make some you know make some noise in the tournament conference tournament, and honestly, I do not, I no longer think this is a this is a Pac or a NCAA tournament team. They could obviously change things and show us otherwise, but given the trajectory we're seeing right now, this team is not good enough to, you know, to even compete at that level, let alone, um, you know, kind of hang in there in the conference slate, too. So, yeah, this has been definitely a very disappointing last, you know, three weeks when it comes to Husky basketball.
1: Yeah. You, you wish, you wish that after that Oregon game that you kind of get a nice bed of home games to, to rest on um, to, you know, if you got Colorado at home this weekend uh, to get some momentum, but um, after yeah. that, that loss to have to now go and play the Mountain schools, which is um, a notoriously tough trip, especially for a young team. Um, it, it, it could end this week. If, if you, if you to Utah, who was last in the conference and, in, in Colorado, um, that might uh, just just do it um, for, for the hopes this season. Um, and,
0: and by the way, Ken Palm ranks Utah as the 12th hardest place to play in great. the country and ranks Colorado as the hardest place to play in the country.
1: So. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, Utah, Utah <laughs> beat Kentucky earlier this year. They've had an up-and-down year, some bad losses in addition to that, but um, certainly no slouch in any Larry Christoyak team is, is coached well. And any team that is coached well um, can watch that Oregon tape and say, "Let's just run a press and, and um, kind of just out uh, out IQ these guys and, and get it done." Um, yeah. One and duns have an interesting legacy at UW. Um, if the Huskies miss the tournament this year, um, the the one and done history is uh, is officially over, and in, in in leading to tournament appearances. Assuming that Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels are going to enter the NBA draft this year. Spencer Hawes mm-hmm. didn't get it done, not that it's all his fault. Um, Tony Roten, Markel Fultz, and then uh, this, this year's team. Um, I love all of those players, um, and some more than others, but there is some extenuating mm-hmm. circumstances. Obviously, Spencer Hawes gets hurt at some point that year. Tony Roten was a free throw away from from you know leading them to a tournament run. Uh, Markel Fultz, the whole thing kind of broke down before he even got there when uh, Marquise Chris and DeJounte Murray go pro. Uh, and now the Quad A Green situation greatly impacts um Stuart McDaniel. So extenuating circumstances, but um it is kind of an interesting legacy of one and duns in Husky basketball.
0: Yeah, I mean at a school like Kentucky or kind of those blue blood schools that get one and duns every year, this works because you're just reloading. But at a at a school like UW that gets one every at this rate, kind of like every three or four years, five years, um, It's it's probably it's not the greatest from a long-term standpoint in the short term. It's it's exciting it It brings a really good player to the table Um, so it's fun, you know, but it kind of papers over the cracks of the issues that are that are um, throughout the team um, That would be much more obvious if that player obviously wasn't there Um, it's like look at isaiah stewart. What would our interior look like without him? It would be atrocious um but yeah. he's everything to this team and he, you know, he's the reason why we're even remotely, you know, I mean, at least were, but still, you know, kind of on the outside looking in. If it wasn't for him, this would be terrible. Um, But, you know, like you said, we've never made the tournament uh, with a one and done. Now, but now think about all the great teams we've had uh, without one and dones. They were all, you know, upperclassmen, I think 20 like last season even. Four senior starters. Jalen Noel was a sophomore. He at least had a a year under his belt going in. Uh, Look back at the 2010-2011 season. That's the year that IT and co. Went to the second round and lost to UNC. There was only one underclassman in the top seven players in that rotation. Um, And all the teams throughout the 2000s that went to the tournament were the same way. So, um, yeah, it's... It's not something it's like I said, it's great in the moment, but long term it it hurts us. And I'm I kind of hope we avoid them and can just in the future and can just focus on developing the players that are going to be here um for a longer term and giving them minutes but then again it's not like you're going to pass up on a five-star guy that wants to come to you right. so it's kind of a tricky situation to walk
1: yeah through. and even if you swing you know one level level below that like Dejounte Murray Marquise Chris I actually f- forgot about them that they were one and duns, although it, they weren't um you didn't yeah. think of those guys when they first arrived at UW um mm-hmm. that you know you, you certainly don't intend for those guys to leave after a year, but just the way circumstances break, they they perform a little bit more better than you thought they would, and all of a sudden they're both in, in the pros, and then that kind of hamstrings you going forward. Um, I think yeah. that they're kind of great almost sprinkles or garnishes to, to already good foundations. Exactly. Um, but uh, we haven't been able to establish those in a long time where we have a good core um, of, of guys, uh, you know, three, four-star guys who really come up together um, that can just be supplemented by a a top-tier talent like that. Um, And it's just a difference in style and recruiting. You know, I I, I vividly remember uh, Lorenzo Romar talking candidly about kind of going over on uh, Jabari Parker, Jabari Bird, and Aaron Gordon um, in the year, I don't know, it was 2014, um, 2013 maybe, uh, when those guys were coming Mm -hmm. out and how that really set them back from a recruiting perspective and may have ended up costing Romar his his job um, because of the, the the downslope that that created with the talent on that roster. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just an interesting thing. Like you said, you never want to turn down great talent like that, but um, it's just kind of a difference in philosophy. The thing about this mm-hmm. year's team, though, is that that we, <laughs> we might be just mad right now because of the Quade Green thing, and if Quade was still here, we may have gone – undefeated in these last four games and things look much, much differently. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we are 10th uh, from the bottom in terms of luck in Ken Palm's rating, which is essentially uh-huh. um, the, the Pythagorean, you know, how many wins should you have based off of your results uh, versus what you actually yeah. have. Um, and uh, we had double digit leads at Stanford and at home versus, versus Oregon with, you know, 10 or 12 minutes left to go. So despite, how awful this has been those last four games. Um you're still close because of that defense and uh there might be a you know a, a way out of this that we're just not seeing right now because of, of how shitty that Oregon game was. Yeah, we just need to kind of get some things to fall our way.
0: Um yeah, that's a great point. We we could be it It could be such a different picture right now if we just had a few things go our way and we we're able to close our games. We could be sitting on this podcast right now and just applauding this team and talking about how we're going to make it to the tournament and win win the conference and, blah, and get blah, quality blah. back. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, yeah,
1: it's just just, you know, that's how sports are. Unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. Um, such a fine line. I think we'll save the uh the confidence in the next three years discussion um for a later day maybe maybe towards the end of the season after some finality has come out here we just kind of put a bow on this mm-hmm. as it is um it's a it's a really it's a it's a heartbreaking but it's a fascinating husky basketball situation right now uh there's a lot of guys that I want to see like some big development from in these last few weeks uh Nas Carter Jamal Bay I think you know yeah. thinking about Jamal bay dude that that guy just seems so lost sometimes, and this is the same guy. Yeah. I, who, as the Huskies were kind of getting their their you know their stuff handed to him against North Carolina last year, Jamal Bay was not scared and he was taking shots and he was hitting shots and he was in command. Uh, and now seems very very far away from that, despite gaining a year in in maturity. Um, so it's it's a weird team, and I I want to believe, but uh, boy, there's there's <laughs> there's just a dour awful taste in my mouth from from that Peyton Pritchard uh, Oregon game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I don't have anything to add. (laughs) Uh, I've already I've already rewatched the the Matthew loves ball YouTube video, which um, was 34 minutes long. And I don't know what the hell I was thinking because it was awful on the replay as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, I won't do that. Um, I just don't. Yeah, me. don't. Yeah, I'm a <laughs> sick freak. <laughs> um, I, I watched it for for enough, uh, you know, football, the, like the Colorado game this year, and I think that's about as, as low as I can go. Um, <laughs> all right, Stanton. Well, uh, thank you much for doing this. Uh, good to get back on the horn. Um, hopefully, the dogs turn around in the uh, in the mountains this weekend, and uh, yep. we're we're back to speaking optimistically about this this team and this program.
0: Yep, crossing my fingers. And as always, go dogs. There we go,
1: man. Go dogs.